Warning, you are about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. Please allow me to introduce myself. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show, a Friday edition, snowmageddon all across the upper Midwest, especially here in Wisconsin. My understanding, about five more inches overnight, so we're not done yet. And this show ain't done yet, Tom. We're sliding into a Friday happier happy hour, perhaps time for airing of the grievances. But first, we got a fine guest. He joins us live via candlelight. we got some <laughs> candlelight cannoli going on. we got Jim Santel, former U.S. attorney, host of the Morning Cannoli on Saturday mornings right here on Civic Media 9 to 11. At least you'd have some ambient light by them, Jim. Uh, you're amongst those without power in the Milwaukee area, apparently. I am, and uh, nothing nothing in the nature of weather in Wisconsin would keep me from accepting your wonderful invitation to be a part of this show. So snow, sleet, uh, uh, wind, all of that, I'm here. Bring it. Thank you, Jim. Bring it, says Jim. It. <laughs> uh, Jim, got a hypothetical for you, Counselor. If a president called up SEAL Team 6 and asked them to kill his political opponent, would you feel like that president would be and should be immune from prosecution, Jim? And just so you I, know, this might be on the exam later. And, and I know of at least two judges on the D.C. Court of Appeals, we know them by name, who would say that someone who engaged in that kind of activity would not be immune. And uh, they told the uh, lawyers for Donald Trump earlier this week, just that. Actually, even the third judge as well. She was a little bit less clear, but very plain that the D.C. Court of Appeals is not going to accept this notion that when you become the president of the United States of America, somehow constitutionally, statutorily, or just somehow out there in the in the atmosphere generally, you become immune from criminal activity, uh, for prosecution for criminal activity, and therefore cannot be brought into the federal or state courts for the things that you've done wrong. The Court of Appeals plainly going to hand Donald Trump a loss when it comes to that particular part of this prosecution. Uh, the D. John Sauer, on behalf of the defendant, seeking to claim immunity. Uh, what do you think of the legal pleadings of D. John? I mean, this is a difficult position to argue that the president should have complete and utter immunity from all prosecution. Uh, what did you think about this legal theory that, well, he can be prosecuted, but only if convicted through impeachment first? And he says it's the clear, plain reading of, I believe it was Article 2, Section 1 of the impeachment clause. But what was your thought, Counselor? Again, for the second time in two weeks, I'm going to use the word ridiculous and absurd, frivolous, that sort of thing. And I think the judges felt the same, even if they didn't use those adjectives. Again, as you got it just right, Mike, what he's saying is 
that the only way that you can prosecute Donald Trump or any president, president or former is if that person's previously been impeached and convicted by the Senate. That's nowhere in the Constitution. This is made up. It's a nice try, but it's not going anywhere. And interestingly, I think it was Judge Pan who said, I've looked back at the transcript of the second impeachment hearing, which we covered, talked a lot about on this very program. And she recited the, the statements by Donald Trump's own attorney at that time, saying that you can't find him guilty in the Senate until you have convicted him in a federal court. And so just the opposite of what uh, the attorney was arguing before the Court of Appeals from what the attorneys for Donald Trump were arguing at the time of the impeachment. She called out that inconsistency. Just one more reason that they're going to drop kick quite dramatically, I believe, this silly notion that somehow he is immune. Send this back, hopefully, hopefully not going to the Supreme Court. Send this back to Judge Shutkin so she can go ahead, reschedule. Uh oh, this trial and get this thing underway. Excellent. So I think you said that we should try to get this trial back underway. I am hoping from your lips to God's ears. He's and changed. I'm frozen up here. Well, you're we can still hear you, Jim. You're OK now. Um, a concession was earned from the and, judge. And Aaron, I. Well, now you are frozen. I've got a bad connection, Aaron, and I'm going to call in to try to remedy that. How's that? Sounds good. We will eagerly await your (laughs) words on the phone. Technical issues here. Of course, there's no power in Brookfield. We appreciate uh, Jim going to jump on the phone with us. uh, Bottle of red, bottle of white, candlelight (laughs) candlelight cannolis, man. Quite romantic. Uh, And I I do got to... Uh, and Jim will join us in just a minute, but I also need to, and we talk about the, this this thought that you know, a president is immune and could order SEAL Team Six, and 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 Donald Trump was asked about this yesterday and didn't and and didn't you know push back on it. In fact, well, of course, in the way he didn't answer the question, but he said, "Well, president's got to have immunity. Got to have immunity. Got to have immunity." So he 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 believes that that of course he has to believe that because that's the only way uh, that he can make his case. But I would also mention the, the the one judge, the judge that was appointed by George H.W. Bush all those many years ago, uh, presumably the conservative judge of the three-judge panel. Uh, and she said it was paradoxical to think that somehow, some way, president who was sworn to uphold the Constitution and the laws of the land uh, could get away with breaking the laws of the land. Jim, did you find that a little oxymoronic? Absolutely. This is, again, at least the second, if not the third kind of thing that the judges identified. And, you know, when it comes to appellate arguments, when you're from the D.C. Circuit, the Seventh Circuit, where we are, any of these federal appeals courts, frankly, any state appeals court as well, the one thing you don't want to do is to be caught in a, an ironic argument, an inconsistent argument, an argument that, that, frankly, flies in the face of reason. That's what all of this is all about. And I would be interested to see, as we all will very shortly, how it is that the Court of Appeals resolves this. They can do this, Mike and Dom, they can do this in a one-paragraph order, and they can cite the Nixon case from back in the late 1970s. They can articulate basic concepts from the Constitution, as we've already talked this afternoon, and they can put this concept to rest. Then the question comes, which I anticipate we want to discuss, what happens after that? Right. 
Jim, so what Jim happens Sa- after that? <laughs> James Rock. Santel, former U.S. attorney, certainly no matter how this rolls out, uh, if Trump loses, he'll want to appeal it. And if uh, if Smith loses uh, the special counsel, he'll want to appeal. But uh, what they go, they can go what to an on bank or directly to the Supreme Court. But neither of those uh, cases, they don't have to be taken up, right? That that's correct. Um, so a petition for an en banc that is all the judges hearing it that is sort of discretionary with the court of appeals they can grant that or not my guess is there that most of the judges on the dc circuit will also say no the three judge panel got it just right no reason for all of us to convene to do this and then the question is whether the supreme court the supremes the nine of them down the street there frankly just across the the, the way there will decide to hear this and that too is discretionary we've talked a lot about this will they do this granting of the writ of certiorari my hope would be that the supreme court would do what an en banc panel would also do which is to say there's nothing to see here nothing to review let's not extend this further let's not have more briefing let's not have more oral argument let's send this back and basically deny the request for further review. The effect of that by the Supreme Court would be, just as you implicitly indicated, Dom, the effect. Oh, no. What's the effect, Jim? Which is the Court of Appeals. Right. And the, 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 the Court of Appeals decision stands. Then it goes back down to Judge Chutkin, and she can continue. The other w- good thing about that would be, of course, that it, it saves time. Um, a, an additional on banc review, an additional review by the Supreme Court for adding, even if they act very quickly, which they can and should, uh, it's at least weeks before that happens. This could be resolved all next week if the judges of the D.C. Circuit and then the Supreme Court want to act quickly on this. We know they've done that in the past. They can do that again here and get this back to Judge Shutkin long before the end of this month. Our fine guest, Jim Santel. Jim, let's turn to the closing statements of the (laughs) Trump fraud trial in New York. (laughs) And uh, Ingrid, the judge there, apparently, and he's what, a Supreme Court judge, but that's actually the district court level. But my understanding is Ingrid allowed Trump to hang himself in a court of law and uh, it was a miserable affair, and Trump made a campaign speech, reportedly, Jim. What'd you hear? Yes. Um, so a couple of uh, responses to that as well. This is the judge initially saying, no, 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 you're represented by counsel in this matter. And all of us lawyers have been in situations where we've got clients who want to speak, and the answer is no, you can't do that. You speak through your lawyer. If you decide that you want to speak, you can do that, but then that means you're representing yourself, and the lawyer is no longer a part of this process. Judge Engeron initially said, I will let you bend that rule a little bit if indeed you comment only on the facts. This is not a campaign speech. You do not attack anybody, any of the players in this lawsuit, in this prosecution and defense. No one gets uh, under Donald Trump's ire in terms of name calling. None of that happens. We stick to the facts as we would in a regular statement. I was surprised to see uh, that Judge Engeron, after the defense initially declined that request and planned to go ahead just with the lawyer statements, that Judge Engeron caved, if you will, to an additional request just for three minutes. The judge five. And in the end, um, all of this went, went south. Judge uh, I'm sorry, James Santel, we certainly have more questions. Do you think your tackle 
hold up, cell phones and the such. Uh, you got more <laughs> we'll in you, work. Jim? <laughs> a couple of cups and a string, Jim. Stick around with us, will you? We will do just that. All right. More Devils advocates on the other side. It's Friday. We air grievances. We give you legal updates from only the finest of authorities. Former U.S. Attorney James Santel. He's the host of the morning, the morning cannolis. But tonight we're doing it via the candlelight. Come on back, and it's a Friday happier happy hour. Glad you're glad you're a part. Devil's Advocates, making radio great again. And thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. James Santel on the line with us. He's the former U.S. attorney, host of Morning Cannoli right here on the Civic Media Network on Saturdays, 9 to 11 a.m. Jim, thank you for sticking around. Um, Let's jump right back into it, sir. The funny Willis case, uh, the Georgia case uh the republicans the right-wing media have been all over uh the da willis apparently had some sort affair with one of the investigators or prosecutors someone in the office and for that reason and that reason alone uh, she should be thrown off the case or this case should disappear uh my sense is jim this was what not one but two grand juries that heard evidence to bring this case that even if something did happen to willis uh, this case would move forward but i don't know jim what do you think I think that's exactly right. And you, you focused on the basic predicates for how this gets into the court in the first place. You had this investigative grand jury, you had the indicting grand jury. And what that means is two groups of 26, even more than that, people reviewed all this evidence, said, yes, there's probable cause to believe that these counts in this very sweeping RICO indictment are supported by the law and by the facts. And so, as we have often said as prosecutors, um, I, we are a dime a dozen. The mere fact that a prosecutor is handling a case now does not mean that if he or she is no longer on the case, that the case somehow goes away and needs to be dismissed. That's a, a merits decision. That's a, a process decision inside the law uh, that is not implicated by any relationship that she may have had. We don't know. Obviously, this motion now being filed, presumably going to be argued uh, also in front of the judge. A question about whether or not it really is something that's properly before him. There really has to be something that that a defense attorney can point to and say that relationship has somehow materially affected the substance of the prosecution against my client. Um, Whether you've had a relationship or not with an investigator, with somebody who's now perhaps among the prosecution team here, that may be a matter for internal review and maybe even internal concern, maybe even public concern, but it doesn't go to the merits of the case. And that's the big takeaway. Anticipate the judge may raise an eyebrow or two, but in the end say there's nothing about this that warrants dismissal or certainly even some other remedial action against the prosecution team. But Jim Santel, my understanding is Marjorie Taylor Greene has found a ally in Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, and there might in fact be an investigation of Fonnie Willis and the allegations against her. 
and public hearings before there is a trial, they're going to put the prosecutor on trial. You sort of see where we're going with this, right, Jim? Absolutely. And so this is where we are in America today. It has not been unknown in the past when I was prosecuting for 30 or so years. It wasn't uncommon. It was, frankly, a legitimate defense strategy by a defendant to basically put the government's case on trial, if you will, to allege that, say, the people involved in the investigation themselves had committed crimes or engaged in unconstitutional actions. That's, that's not new. What this is, is taking that notion of a strong defense being a very, very aggressive offense, if you will, it takes it to a new level. And it basically places it at a political partisan plane that is simply intended to convince the public somehow that all of this, all of this is meritless. It should all go away. I regard this, even the hearings that may follow, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, again, putting together a complaint. She's a, let's see, she's a sitting congresswoman, and she is alleging a misconduct by a state prosecutor uh, from a state that she doesn't represent. It's absurd. We've seen that. No, sort of she's from Georgia. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a, a Georgia woman. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yes, she is. You're right. Even, even so, even so, this is not across jurisdictions. This is not the kind of thing that a congressperson should be doing. Nonetheless, we're going to go down this road and have these charades of hearings on this should not, cannot affect the substance of the prosecution going ahead, as, but simply indicates the, the level of aggressiveness with which all of these cases are being defended. You try every last thing, you file every single motion, you attack and attack and attack. And, and sometimes, sometimes where there is merit to that, you may be effective here, here, you're not going to be effective in shutting down this prosecution. James Antell, our fine guest, former U.S. attorney, host of the Morning Cannoli on Saturday mornings, 9 to 11 a.m. Look him up. He's worth a listen. Uh, Jim, a outfit called Mediaite is reporting that Roger Stone was caught on tape uh, making some very threatening statements before the January 6, 2020 and this reporting initially dropped in Roger Stone, who is connected very closely to Donald Trump. And in fact, uh, my understanding, there's some new reporting out that perhaps he personally benefited to the tune of millions of dollars on the January 6th, uh, you know, sort of the black money funding this thing. Above and beyond that, he was, what, pardoned by the former president. Uh, but he is caught on tape threatening the life of U.S. Congress people. I believe it was Eric Swalwell uh, specifically, and his plan was let's go kill one and set an example. That'll, you know, have them shaken in their boots because they were going to look into why he was pardoned. They were going to look into Roger Stone. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you've seen the reporting, but new audio tape out today supports all of it. Roger Stone, of course, says it's all deep fake AI stuff. Right. And and so, yes, indeed, uh, former president uh, pardons him. But for discrete other offenses, this kind of activity, again, I have two reactions to it. It is just the latest way that we respond to legitimate government action, which is we threaten, right? We threaten Judge Engeron. We, 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 we uh, send a, a bomb threat to his home. We threaten Judge yeah. Chutnik. We, we threaten anybody who's involved in the judicial process, the investigative process. We threaten legislators. Um, and, and that kind of thing is, is now so far beyond not just the pale 
but it is it is also in the case of, of Roger Stone, when you are actually threatening the life and making those kinds of comments and threats against a sitting congressman, other people in government, that is also a federal crime. And yes, indeed, you look to the nature, the extent to which the previous pardon covers him. I haven't spent a lot of time looking at exactly uh, the four corners of that. Highly unlikely that it does, uh, but, uh, but it's something to look at. This is, to, from my perspective, assuming, and it appears to be borne out by the tape, as you just indicated, Mike, appears to be a basis for a new prosecution of him. And uh, it should be. It should be. This kind of thing, we know that for example, when there was a, um, a threat against uh, a sitting judge uh, coming out of Texas, what did the Department of Justice do? They prosecuted that. Just because you're Roger Stone doesn't mean you don't get prosecuted for making the same kinds of threats. That should happen here, again, upon deliberation, upon review of this evidence by the federal government, by the Department of Justice. Jim, I realize that the timing of the federal cases in the U.S. presidency and the election, while they could have impact, if Trump won re-election, he could set aside, he could pardon himself. There's lots of different shenanigans. I heard an opinion offered on MSNBC last night, though. Even the state prosecutions could end if he was elected president. Do you share that opinion, Counselor, in 30 seconds or less? Sure. There, There is a, what I will say, is a non-frivolous, non-ridiculous argument that goes this way. We've never had to face this before. goes this way, that if indeed Fannie Willis, for example, is successful in, in pursuing her prosecution, getting conviction, she can't put him in jail because to do so would be to usurp as the state of Georgia the prerogative of the entire nation in deciding to put Donald Trump back in the White House. You could incarcerate him presumably after his term, but there's a non-frivolous argument, constitutional argument, from some reasonable people that says that the state's prosecution could not uh, basically overcome uh, the decision. Now you're harsh of my buzz, Counselor. Thank you, James Hantel. Tune in. Grass-fed, locally raised, 100% organic. The Devil's Advocates. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show of Friday. Happier, happy hour. Thank you to our fine guest, James Santel. Always great to have Jim come around. He is a former U.S. attorney, friend of ours, and the host of a fine program in his own regard, Morning Cannoli. Tune in tomorrow morning, Saturday mornings, right here on the Civic Media 9 to 11. If you miss him, you can hear the replay on Sunday morning. It's a double dip for you. Two cannolis. Although the plural of cannoli is cannoli, is my understanding. Very confusing. Yeah. Uh, Dom, we'll figure it out one of these days. The snow out the window here at the WMDX 92.7 FM studios. Troubling, my understanding, four or five more inches of snow coming tonight. And in the fact that we air the grievances on Friday, I got to tell you, one of my grievances, not so much the snow, is shoveling the snow, and well, there will I be. Thought some... you had your your wife all hooked up to take care of that for you. Well, I did, I did, <laughs> yeah, and I actually right. played the my Sharona for her, although her name's not Sharona. <laughs> but I did that as sort of a mnemonic device because her only ask, you know, this beautiful bride of mine who went out this morning and shoveled snow. 
honey, bring home Corona. I got to bring her home some beer to get her through the get her through the night, as they say, right, Dom? Did she request limes, or is that something you're gonna like act on your own with? That's a, that's a good that's a good reminder. Just, Depends I'll on if get, I hit the get, quick get trip on the way back, <laughs> yeah. or if I go to one of the finer liquor establishments. I would I would I mean I get some limes, man. It's always a good bet. So I'm just gonna sing time. it in my head. You know that song gets All stuck right. in my head. My Corona, get Corona and limes. So I'm working for you, honey. Well, or, or you could put in a reminder in your phone, uh, have it go off in like 30 minutes, and you'd be all set. Yeah, but that would take so much effort. You know, I barely <laughs> got my computer plugged in in time, Dom. But I do make a sincere grievance of the snow shoveling. And for those of you out there wondering, is there something bad about snow shoveling? Yes, you could die. I got a little bit of science to back that up, Dom. Washington Post, my source. Because this is sincerely one of my grievances. I'm not big on the snow shoveling. <laughs> snow shoveling can be dangerous. It can place stress on the heart and has been associated with increased cardiovascular events, particularly after heavy snowfalls, research shows, like what's out the window right now, Dom. One study showed from the 1900, uh, 1990 to 2006, about 195,000 people in the United States were treated Ooh. in emergency rooms for injuries and medical emergencies from the snow shoveling. About 6.7% were cardiac-related, including all 1,647 deaths. So over, what, 16 years. Nobody killed themselves snow shoveling, except from the heart attack. <laughs> Although, you know, I think I could feasibly slip on the ice, crack my head, and kill myself in the driveway. The dogs would come out and pee on me in the morning. Uh, here is one quote, Dom. I just want to include this. This is from Barry Franklin, a spokesperson for the American Heart Association. Snow shoveling causes excessive demands on the heart while simultaneously compromising blood flow with the cold, which leads to heart attacks and sudden death every year. In my opinion, it's the single most dangerous activity people can do. Snow shoveling. Here, I thought it was riding to the store with Dom. <laughs> no, it's a snow shovel. Maybe you should get yourself a snow blower. 844-967-2789. Call Why did patient. I have children if not to shovel the said heavy well, snow in the driveway? That's a great question. I mean, they I go mean, to the gym. They work out. They're young and healthy. Disciplined parenting that you perform. I'm sure if you just you know blow the proper whistle, they'll get out there and shovel immediately, right? I haven't seen Come that. Come on, man. If they're, if they're not doing it, I blame the parents. That really is true. And then, I mean, where did we go wrong as parents? How is it that I, as a chubby, sedentary lifestyle, beyond middle-aged man, how is it that I or my beloved, and she's a little younger than I, and a healthier woman, but still, why is it we expose our cardiac health each time we go out there and shovel and I got two healthy kids sitting on the couch saying, when's dinner? What's for dinner? And yes. could you empty the dishwasher? Because I don't have any cups to drink my, you know, chocolate milk and juice out of that mom and dad bring and put in the fridge for us. So I am a little concerned. The snow, the snow dom, I don't want to die from the snow. Or flying well, in an they're, airplane they're just, and getting listen, sucked out of I, a Boeing 737. I would just suggest that they're following your example 
Who taught you how to do this? I, w- I learned it by watching you, okay? Because you are able to convince your lovely to go out and shovel for you. So if you can do it and they don't, and you don't have to shovel, well, then you have led by example. You've showed them. You have zero domestic skills. You do nothing in your household. Look at you telling me <laughs> not true. how I have failed. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. When's the last time you cooked dinner? And I don't mean Lucky Charms. I, I brought home some dinner the other night. I, I <laughs> Some dynamite from Brady Street. Really good stuff. I didn't say, when's the last time you bought dinner? I said, when's the last time you cooked dinner? Because I'm domesticated. I help around the house, Tom. Oh, I don't I, see no, that no, same don't, don't. sort of activity from oh, you. Oh, well, Crudy, because se. you don't appreciate it and don't understand the Well, then you don't that invite me around as much. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Steffi cooks, and I clean. That's 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 well, the that's deal. domesticated. That's I, yeah, man. I'll, I'll give you credit. Know, we, we dishwasher lean on our on our strengths. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the dishwasher. You man. fill the I, dishwasher. Well, I wash and and the pots and the pans. I mean, she'll do a once over because she likes to keep the kitchen clean while she's cooking her fabulous meals. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm 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 the cleanup crew, man, and I'm okay with that. It's it, it's been working for us pretty well. But come on, man. You got to get those kids working, Crudy. What was, what was the rule in college? And for those that don't know, Dom and I were college roommates at one of the for finest alma mater ever, University, University of Wisconsin, Wisconsin Lacrosse. Lacrosse, baby. And Google it. You'll hear about the chancellor. We, we <laughs> had this half duplex, and we had girls next door to us, and there's stories there, but we won't tell those right now. But we lived six. Even one dude was married. One of the... One of the the guy grumpy across the yeah. hall, Steve. He had already <laughs> right. got married. His wife got a teaching job in Milwaukee, and he's still living with us, and he's married. So talk about being domesticated. But that was a relatively <laughs> clean school, house. man. Well, we it, had a list. We had we had an obligation, chores. man. Sure, yes, we had. That's the only way to make that happen. Uh, you had a list, and certain days was a certain roommate was your job to clean. That's just how it was. But if you didn't get your dishes done by six o'clock, if you were working late or goofing around, or if you were Joe chasing some co-ed brown campus and oh man, people would be cooking six course meals and dumping the <laughs> piling the dishes on top. <laughs> would they not Salvia? Cause every well, other I mean, meal would be, <laughs> you were sort of healthy. Then you would eat like chicken breast, corn and rice. Every meal you and Joe, unless someone missed their dishes duty. And then it's, Sauvignon Blanc and <laughs> let, let's make paella. I don't yeah, think you ever you made know, paella. We not had being a to cook yourself. We had to take advantage of the opportunities that we had. And if I it was felt taken to be, advantage of. <laughs> well, hey, as man, a guy who had sudden, a job outside the home, if you know what I'm saying. And well, there were there were what there were four bedrooms and a bathroom upstairs, and then the two bedrooms and a bathroom, living room, kitchen, dining and room after, downstairs. After Steve graduated and left home, I was the only resident of the lower level, and we threw well, parties and- every day, every night. There was <laughs> people coming to the house. You know, we had a good reputation for. It wasn't the good weed, but just weed. <laughs> Plentiful weed. Lots of joints. But you had, it was around. your bathroom, man. The downstairs bathroom was your bathroom. You that had to clean that. Dozens we, of we people would use each week. <laughs> dozens. Friends, neighbor. You guys had college professors stopping by. <laughs> use it. Oh, use the bathroom down here. <laughs> Eight, four, four. Yeah, that was clean. Crudy just Who, cleaned it. Do we have snow duty? I don't remember shoveling snow, though, in college. 
Like, I mean, oh, can we have to shovel yeah. our own? No, we, we yeah, we had a shovel. That? We had a shovel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we never had snow in lacrosse. I don't recall. I don't recall lots of snow. No, days I'm pretty sure Pine Dana Street. got thrown out one time. Landed. Oh snow. yeah, we we threw Dana. <laughs> well, he looked like he was kind of green and might get sick. So Bobby just threw <laughs> him in a snowbank. You you wait out there. 844-967-2789. CJ, you shoveling tonight? Hey CJ. And I don't mean facts about Joe Biden for a change. I mean, are you shoveling the snow? Uh, guys, no, I am uh, enjoying the Florida weather. Um, but I, I'm a snowbird. I thought we talked about that. But anyways, Cootie, I want to tell you I apologize because I'm glad you made it home from, where were you, Des Moines or? Des Moines. Whatever. Yeah. I'm glad 194 miles from Dubuque and then an hour and a half from there. But lots of lots of cars in the ditch. Hundreds. Or 69 Was on the way back, depending going? on which day you count. Was that white knuckling for you? Uh, I was on the way down. There was like six inches of snow on the interstate on the drive down. Once I got south of Cedar Rapids, man, it was, it was rough for a bit. I'm courageous. That and I only <laughs> well, kept one eye open, you know, just one eye, one eye open. Just try to keep her between the lines. You know how it goes. <laughs> well, I've been on the road most of my life. So yeah, I can appreciate that. All the people be safe out there. Um, <clears throat> You know, the, your guest that you had on prior, um, I hope he keeps advising because, wow, if he thinks everything is hunky-dory and they're going to eventually get Grandpa Joe out of the basement to not have to read a teleprompter, good luck with that one. He's in hiding right now, and he was on vacation only 140 days. He was in Pennsylvania and- today, I believe. Bidenomics, the well, topic. I know you don't like the whole come on, CJ. I mean, were, were you, how critical were you on when Donald today. Trump was golfing all the time, man? So whatever, man. Well, What's your I point? Agree. You can do a lot of this. I, I agree. You can do a lot of this by phone. But can I state my grievance? Because yesterday when we talked, you said how happy I'd be that well, we finally striked on, um, you know, the Houthis. I've been scared of this. I'm terrified because this weak commander cut and run, I warned you it was going to happen. Here comes World War Three because of this idiot in office. No, and that's not exactly. Danger. I think that's a misnomer, and I don't want you to, you know, get people the wrong impression. Now, my understanding, the Houthis are uh, very upset, and they want to what attack the ships or, or will do anything regarding Israel, right? They're the anti-Israeli, so that's their motivation on that, and that was all. That's between the Israelis and the and the Palestinians. Well, there are several course, countries. Then there's different backing backings. Let's, let's talk. Right, right. So now we have Saudi Arabia and Iran. So these are proxies between, you know, what the Sunnis and the Shias. And let's get right down to it, CJ. This is about religion. It's always about religion. It's always going to be here. So what Joe Biden does or does not do uh, in some regards will not matter to the sense that until we as a humanity get over fighting about the religion thing, uh, we're going to continue down the spiral, dude. My own humble opinion on a Friday. 967-2789. Let's sneak at least one more in. Be patient, people. Dick from Madison, you're second in the queue. Welcome. What do you got for us? Hey, Dick, what's happening? Well, thank God he is in charge right now because I think he has kept that crazy man that's in charge of uh, the Israeli country in 
check a little bit. But that's not where I'm going. Um, what is this thing that nobody's covering the stuff of what Roger Stone said and what he We're said about? What? Well, but the media isn't. The the rest <laughs> of it's just like it's a. What are we chop liver here? Here here's well, the no, problem, Dick. Up until now. This were just allegations made against Roger Stone by a group called Mediaite, and there wasn't the tape. The supporting tape had not been released. Well, guess what? We've got the tape. We'll play the tape. You got to stick around. We'll take more grievances, and we'll play Roger Stone threatening the life of a U.S. congressman. It's out there. If we put it out there, the media must follow. More Devil's Advocates. The Devil's Advocates, tackling the issues you're not allowed to talk about at the dinner table. And thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show, our last segment of the day. If you got something to say, hit us up right now, 844-967-2789. Of course, stick around. The Maggie Dawn Show is coming up next. Tom, do you know whose birthday it is today? Only because you told me. Rush Limbaugh, that guy. <laughs> I recall the day Rush died and we had a broadcast. We obviously succeeded. We live longer than Rush on the airwaves, Dom. <laughs> but your attitude that that day was, I'm glad he's dead. Something to that effect. <laughs> Something to that effect. Well, Dom. Uh, well, yes, Curdy. Well, I was going to pivot back to the media coverage because we got people hanging yeah. on. They want to hear the Roger Stone, but finish your thought first. No, right. Let, let's, nothing let's... if not polite, Dom. You know me. <laughs> no, man. I appreciate that. I Characteristics believe I said all I had of Crudy. To say about that. Let his wife shovel. Never offend anyone and always polite <laughs> yeah. and humble. Humble. Throw oh, that in there. Oh, wow, man. Well, it is a, a new 2024. Uh, it was, you made it, what, 12 days so far, Curdy? Not bad. Uh, let's hear it. Roger Stone. I don't know where this comes from. Uh, Mediate. What, Curdy? Mediate. But they did not, like, identify They who didn't identify the source for the protection reporting. of the okay. source. But Roger Stone probably knew who he said this to. But maybe there were multiple people in the room. Who knows? It's a little loud, so listen quiet. Go find Swalwell and get this over with. It's time to do it. Then we'll see how brave the rest of them are. Either follow up, either Strawwell or Nadler has to die before the election. They need to get the message. And just not putting up with this again. Swalwell or Nadler has to die. Nadler. Yeah. Jerry Nadler. And they were the two, actually, that had planned on doing investigations into the pardoning of Roger Stone, ironically. And he had decided someone's got to die. And he's actually saying this to a New York PD officer who was acting in a private security capacity for Roger Stone. And this was recorded 
And Roger Stone said, no such thing exists. I never threatened the life of Eric Swalwell or Jerry Nadler. And if you had it, why didn't you publish it? Well, today, Mediaite published it. So there you go, folks. I would say that that is probably a credible threat and should be investigated and perhaps lead in, I would say, to some sort of criminal prosecution against the prior pardoned dirty trickster Roger Stone. Mm. 844-967-2789. Let's get back to the lines on this Friday. Aaron the Grievance says, who's your Bob, Indiana? Welcome, Bob. What do you got for us today? Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hello, Bob. We lost Bob. All right, Bob, give us a call back. Let's keep going down the lines. Ross from Crawford County, you're next. Happy Friday, Ross. What do you got for us? Hey, Ross. Hey, happy Friday to you guys, too. Um, You know, Rush, along with Trump, were both Vietnam draft dodgers. So, I mean, those guys are, you know, we we know who they are and and what they stand for. My grievance, my grievance is, is with the conservative callers to the show and not because they're conservative. God bless the conservative. We, we know that half the country in a two-party system has conservative people. That's okay. But I'm trying to get them to up their game. So you had a previous caller. I don't want to name names. But, you know, trying to understand where these guys are coming from reminds me of, like, some 19th century you know, gold guy heads out west to try to uh, pan for gold. You know, 99% of the stuff that he's panning is just shite, you know, and then you might get a, a, a nugget of gold. And it just seems like this is the, the problem that we have, like, with these guys. Their arguments, they're, they're not really arguments. They're just like these, they just sort of have these flight of ideas. Now all of a sudden, this guy is, like, totally concerned about the hooties. You know, he's run out of other ideas, you know, and so they, it's like they just go and get these gotcha points. They call him with these gotcha points, and when you fact check them, there, there's nothing there. So I'm just asking these people, like, if you're going to call in, I mean, go ahead, spike the football, pretend like you already won the game or something like that. But really, for the rest of us, because the devil listeners, we're not dumb, we're not stupid. You know, just tell us where you're coming from and why you, why you believe it. So Wouldn't it be nice, my, Ross, if they ever quoted a source that wasn't like Sean Hannity or you know, or it's, Clay and I, I, Buck or some exactly, right-wing talk exactly. outfit? Their, their brains... Exactly. It's like their brains, it's almost like it's just television, like talking back at you because there's no depth there. They're good for about one or two sentences on a subject, and then it's just all hot air, and then they move on to the next subject. There's nothing, they don't have any depth, they don't have any rationale behind their, behind their thinking. It's like, you know, you sort of, you almost miss the old conservatives, the old Ryan conservatives, because at least those guys had kind of a, a thought process, kind of a philosophy, whatever the heck you want to call it. Oh, it was just greed. Tax cuts and greed. You know, (laughs) Ross, it's always been like this. What what did they used to say on Rush Limbaugh's show? The the hardest core mega dittos, Rush. You know, Rush did their thinking for them. They've they've just got a new messiah. You know, now it's Clay and Buck or Dan Bongino or one of the ones here locally in the state of Wisconsin. Come on, man. It's Donald Trump. Let's just say his name. Say it three times. Maybe he'll go away. It's Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. He is the Messiah. Like, literally, I've read lots of articles recently talking about how the evangelicals are, like, abandoned church and now are sucking up to the the, the golden God that is Donald Trump. 844-967-2789. Try it again. Who's your Bob? You there? 
Hey, boys. How are you? Good, Bob. All right, man. Snowy weather your way? I, yeah. Matter of fact, that was my topic. I wanted to step back into your snow shoveling discussion. Yes, sir. Do it. I, I have not shoveled snow since 82. Your neighbors must hate you, Bob. Oh, no. There's the kicker. All of my neighbors were like, by, by whatever. They had to be 55 or above if they lived by me. So I was like, you know, hey. Oh, hey, God, you pair the common area maintenance, I, some HOA fees on Bob. I, I, I went into my boss's office one day and I said, hey, if the snow is too deep for me to get out of my driveway and onto a clean highway, I'm not coming to work. That's always Dom's attitude. <laughs> Rain or shine. Dom, we're we'll going what happens next week. on the road Monday, going to Dubuque, Iowa, the Iowa caucuses. The For the Love of Democracy Tour 2024, it continues. And you're going with this time, buddy. Thank you to Chance Design Build, our fine sponsor. Thanks to our earlier guest, Alan Robinson from the Herbal Aspect, Joe Zapecki from Zapecki Communications, and our friend, the host of The Morning Cannoli, Jim Santel. So I hope that covers it. Maggie Dawn's show is next. It's going to be a rerun of the Pizza Box Mike. Have a great weekend. Go Packers!